0: Bam, bam, bam. What? The it's time to buy a mic.
1: A mic.
0: Ketchup. I bought a bork. mayonnaise Pork.
2: Bork, I'm a dog. And I immediately regretted it. it. Mustard secrets. mayonnaise. Crunch. Chestered. I'm
1: being there and packing my bags to the rocket man. I can your backs to the rocket, man. Yeah. Well, Whoa. Whoa. Uh, with jazz. Oh,
2: Hands. yeah. Well, hey. we're another week of musical improv class deep here on We Bought a Mic, and it's really paying off in dividends. <laughs> now that
0: we're past F one hundred, it's like you know what they say: a thousand hours, ten thousand hours, expert. A mm. hundred
2: episodes, mm-hmm. musical savant. Yeah, and you improv know what improv savant. You know what they also say: you never really stop learning. So hey, why rush it? We're gonna get. Incrementally better and sometimes worse every week Until we level out right where we started They say the
1: human brain stops uh, learning And stops being able to mold by like 24, 25 Which Mm. is about the age that we're at So like We're gonna peak We're peaking We're peaking peaking. peaking. This is our prime right now It's gonna get worse Just stop now.
0: That's what the overall story of this podcast is. It's the story of triumphs and successes, (laughs) but also deep, dark failures. It's like flowers for Algernon.
1: My jewel addiction just gets is, worse and worse with each coming episode. Isn't that
0: about, like, mental...
2: <laughs> yeah, like, uh, we, we, slow, we started off really dumb, and then we slowly became mega 300 IQ geniuses, and that was, like, a couple weeks ago. If this now we're, like, on the, we're on the slow decline back to dumb. If this was, like, of Mice and Men, which character do you think you would be? Uh, I'd be the
0: mouse. Okay. You can I'd be the modest. Crunch. Mouse. Okay. Anyway, this is a podcast about movies and TV. <laughs> And music, you you could say it's about pop culture.
2: Well, I or you couldn't. You could say not that I'm Hunter, and I'm uh, Drew Dietzen. I still remember my last name. I don't. I'm like you mine guys. Is gone. Um, we're at about we were last, Let's say last week we were at like 170 IQ. What are we sitting at Like 115? Well, I'm, I'm worried it's going faster. We're
0: we're low enough to get to this first bit of news that i want to touch on
2: which i wasn't sure if it was even worth talking about but i guess we're talking about are we sure that it is still even worth talking about because the thing is no matter how smart we ever got toward our peak we'll never be as smart as dj khaled (laughs) dj khaled who
0: put out an album yeah did did anybody care yes we love it did anybody listen i mean it's it's number two it's not father of the bride Mm-hmm. It's father of
2: Assad. Mm. Would, Assad, dude. Assad, dude. <laughs>
0: um, and that, that, that joke, racist. Is, for, that yeah, joke that... is
2: for you to make and for me to laugh at off mic. <laughs> um, so, so, this is, uh, it's becoming a thing. It's still in the news uh, because that's how news be. But uh, Tyler's album, which is, you know, you could say good, uh, premiered at number one because it's good. And sometimes the good guys win. Igor. And uh, Father of Assad by D- uh, Khaled debuted at number two. And he's been throwing like a three or four day long temper tantrum at this point. Like genuinely throwing it. He's posting videos where he's just screaming. Uh, for a while, he was yelling at his label. He was really angry. He, he thought they didn't promote it well enough. Um, they promptly, you know, I'm assuming responded back. It was not good. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, he- he's... Deliberately trying to start beef with Tyler right now. Yeah, I mean, he—I can't imagine that he's. This upset about being a number two album. I think he's just trying to get the the news cycle of a number one album. Do well,
1: you think that? Uh, do you think that his plan is that he's going to make a diss track towards Tyler? But he's, I mean, D- DJ Khaled can't rap, so he'll like make a diss track and then hire somebody else to come yeah. in there and wrap a diss verse yeah, against Tyler. He'll, he'll get
2: like Ace Hood <laughs> from back in the day. Well, he'll get all the boys from 06 <laughs> back on it. Guys, there's
0: another wrinkle to this story. So seven hours ago, Pitchfork uh, posted an article that apparently says that uh billboard which of course billboard 200 the album chart they are denying uh or they denied khaled the number one because of a partnership that he had uh selling energy drinks with shop.com shop.com so they
2: denied it on the grounds that it was a conflict of interest,
0: or that the album sales were like bundled with yeah, sales of this that, energy. Yeah, that's track. what I
2: mean. That like it's not pure sales. I guess. I mean, I mean, Jay Z did that with
0: Samsung, and they still gave him like instant well, platinum.
1: because I mean, also Jay Z's album was at least pretty good. And I think that that's the fundamental problem.
2: Well, yeah, even if because the newer news than that is that DJ Khaled is now preparing uh, a quote unquote monster lawsuit against (laughs) Billboard. That's not a joke. Clap back. Literally, it's not a joke. He's preparing to sue the shit out of Billboard because I mean, did Pitchfork report that as like factual news? Like The that. energy drink? Yeah, yeah, that whole deal. Yeah,
0: so it's. Like, that's why it didn't get number one. According to the Times, Billboard disqualified the majority of Khaled's bundled sales because Shop.com and its parent company, Market America, promoted bulk sales. The Times also pointed to a particular blog post where people were encouraged to buy a dozen energy drinks to push DJ Khaled
2: and Market America to number one. Okay, so that does make sense. That you could have your song in an ad and it still would count, but it's the fact that the product... If you buy is, the yeah. product, then that pushes album Yeah, sales. the product is almost the album. Like the album like the sales of the drink almost have to count yeah. for the album yeah so th- i guess that does make sense and really at the end of the day the bigger issue is that we don't care about dj khaled or his stupid problem that he has or right billboard numbers who really cares if your album
1: is at number one number two does anybody care anymore like this isn't like the 90s when yeah. people like gave a shit about what the top 40 said that you had to like here's the, like everybody listens to shit that is not pop sensation look at the grammys for example
0: the grammys never actually represent what is good music here's here's the kicker if you actually click the link in the pitchfork story to shop.com it says awake energy shot dj khaled father of Assad, father of Assad album digital download hashtag dj khaled hashtag shop.com grape flavor I have Is that really a real thing? Yeah, that's the title of the product. Grape (laughs) flavor. Uh, 10 bottles. This is not a real thing. 10 <laughs> bottles for uh, $23, and if you use promo code WABAM, <laughs> you won't get the energy
2: drink, Yeah, man. but we'll get it, and then we'll review if it live on If you use promo Pod.
1: code WABAM, and then you buy the product, it goes towards Tyler, the creator's numbers.
2: Yeah, and un- unfortunately, this is also what kept uh, Soldier Boy off the number one, because I bought my Soulja Pods along with the Soulja Boy album, and my Soldier Boy gaming console, my sh- my Soldier sneakers, my Soldier pad. Your uh, Superman, that ho uh, Halloween costume. Yeah, and um, it turns out that he didn't get number one, and I spent $1,000 yeah. trying to get him there.
0: This whole thing is just the teaser for next week when we'll finally be talking about Tyler, the creator's new album, Igor. We won't keep you waiting too much longer. It's stewing. It's brewing. It's piping hot. It's, it's, it's
1: seeping. Our plan is, like, we want to give things to you whenever they're, like, out and forgotten about the news cycle that's why just wait starting the week after that we're going to start reviewing season eight of game of thrones
0: oh finally so all of those all of those bonus episodes we did those were just just predictions okay yeah all right good yeah good all right well let's do some catch-up, boys Mm. i've been watching a little something this is technically a little episode of crack and cry
2: Ooh, come, come on me. baby won't you crack that crate but um this episode it's of
0: crack cra- right. this episode of crack and Crite is brought to you by what the crap toilet paper made out of 100 percent recycled office paper you know your scraps your um shredded materials your receipts is it really- all of that if
1: you were ever wondering like what does it feel like to put
0: sandpaper on my asshole mm I'm but kid, but triple this, triple so. applied yeah triple paper. applied yeah paper. which is not as not as horrible so mm-hmm. uh, what the crap toilet paper now available at an eco shop near you
2: uh, anyway. my my ass is covered in ink I think there was a mistake <laughs> at the factory <laughs>
0: anyway uh, crack and crite well technically this is a film that I did not see the criterion of but it is available in well the then what are, you oh, what are you I about? have to
1: reverse the. <laughs> <laughs> that was me that was reversing really the, the crack and crate
0: <laughs> that was impressive it is yeah, it you is, like that? It that is was, available yeah. on the Criterion Collection but I I watched the dirty DVD from my local public library
2: because <laughs> that's all I could find <laughs> we
1: need a library is a library is this, library.
2: Yeah. Is, is this an episode plug? of dusting off DVDs <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's an uh, it's an, it's an episode of supporting your local public library all right Um, Oh yeah, there we go (laughs) Perfect We got it The movie's called All That Jazz Mm -hmm. And before I get into it, I just want to mention that I finished um, this uh, miniseries on FX, Fosse Verdon Which I've talked about at length on previous episodes And the last episode uh, touched on the time in Bob Fosse's life when he was making All That Jazz Which is essentially the story of his life um, he does change some of the character names. Like, the main character in the film is not called Bob Fosse. His name is Joe Gideon.
2: Okay. Um, but, yeah, this movie... What? Wait. In Fosse-Verdon? So, no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> well,
0: you see... Okay, so this is a little bit of a head trip, right? So, in Fosse-Verdon, the last episode, we see him shooting all that jazz. Mm. And Lynn manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame makes a cameo as Rob Scheider playing Joe
2: Gideon <laughs> playing Bob Fosse okay okay he's the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude yes mm-hmm. okay yes Is um, he in blackface? no okay
0: no but I'll, I'll still watch it <laughs> Bob Fosse famously a very bald man he casts a not too bald man to play him in the movie uh roy roy scheider mm-hmm. schneider of, scheider? no scheider of roy jaws scheider. Yes, yes great actor he is phenomenal he's in amazing this actor. movie he the basically the entire movie is on this dude's shoulders and he dances he uh uh he doesn't sing but he he just carries the the essence of Fosse the the precision of it all because that's what this movie is all about it's it's a summation it's it's a celebration of Bob Fosse's uh craftsmanship as a choreographer this was a guy who thought about every single detail about every dance from fingertips to toe tips to 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 the swing of the hips and the tilt of the neck it was all wow <laughs> to a t labored over very arduously and this movie gets into that it's kind of split into two chunks the first half of the movie we really are put into the process of it all um this man who is just tirelessly addicted to his work he's uh, at night he's editing his uh uh lenny with what is essentially lenny in the movie it's called um the comedian or Mm -hmm. the stand-up or something like that but it's it's lenny and then during the daytime he's uh choreographing these elaborate dance numbers he's doing auditions he's just being this director this choreographer and then the second half of the movie takes this turn where it becomes this hallucinatory trip where fossey or i should say gideon is fighting for his life he's holding on he's like on the brink of death and he sees this these really crazy dance numbers play out that represent different people in his life different stages of his career and and his life and it just spirals into this fucking insane visual marvel that is all done through dance Mm. through it through the expression of, of of dance numbers it's really beautiful. Uh, the story itself is like, it's not the the most intricate thing. It's man is obsessed with his work. It starts to get to him. He's doing a lot of drugs. And then at a certain point, it's it breaks him. And I'm not going to give away the very, very end, but we get this entire second half of the movie devoted to, to Joe Gideon, to, to this uh, main character in a hospital, not doing too well and and just kind of like coping with with what what got him to that point mm. everything that led up to him just laying in this hospital bed just clinging onto life so it's a really unique movie uh, i could see why criterion picked it as part of their collection because so you hadn't seen
1: it before right well
0: i i had studied fossey in in college we did see cabaret and we did see uh lenny and i think they did I think our professor did show all that jazz, but I must have missed the day, that day of class because I don't remember seeing it. It was, it all felt very fresh. I would have remembered it if I would have seen it. Uh, Cause I remember Cabaret and and, and Lenny and class too busy smoking pot. Yes. Yes. Uh, Soilent, the dirty soylent. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I mean this movie, it's, it, it was just, I saw it at this perfect time where I spent so much time with the, the, the Sam Rockwell version of Bob Fosse in Fosse-Verdon and just that whole approach to that story and, and the, the care that they put into that. And then seeing Bob Fossey's version of his own life and his own story in all that jazz was this really crazy way to experience uh, the life of this man, this fucking master, like one of the most talented people who has ever worked in show business. And one of the one of the key things that I wanted to bring up that I didn't bring up last time I talked about Fossey verdon is that... They get into why he was so fucked up. You know, like, they explain the psyche, the the background of what made him this asshole womanizer. It's dark, guys. Like, he worked in this brothel when he was a kid, like, dancing as a little boy. Dancing? Yeah, dancing in a brothel, like tap dancing. And the women of the brothel, like, they... Fucked molested him? him oh no yeah fucking christ Oh it's, my God. it's some dark shit and you you kind of you feel for the man i mean he did some horrible horrible things for sure he treated women terribly manipulated them used them but seeing that side of like you know what leads someone to do those horrible things it, it got pretty dark and they touch on that in all that jazz as well so it again it was just interesting like seeing the the full FX miniseries, uh, eight episode or or whatever version of it, and then the two hour version from uh, 1980, I think it is. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, all that jazz is what I've been watching. Great movie, really recommend it. It's a it's a classic.
1: Yep, I've always really wanted to check it out. I'm waiting for it to pop up on the Criterion Channel. I'm sure so it I will.
0: Check it out there. Yeah, just go to your is local Cabaret library.
1: on Crate. Is, is All That Jazz the I, only criterion? I am
0: pretty sure that All That Jazz is the only Fosse criterion. Hmm. Although I would love to see Cabaret get put on there. I could see them adding that I could see him one.
2: do that. Well, this was an episode of... Uh, <laughs> you no, know, they. The, I guess that comes first. Library DVDs. Yeah, it should be someone whispers it and then the librarian's like, shh. It's a two-man little segment. All right, so we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. Right. This, this has been Library DVDs. Okay. All right. Well, next, was, next time we'll, I'm gonna we'll fucking do you it, down. Hunter. We'll get it in post. We'll <laughs> fix it in post. Okay. All right.
1: Okay. Um. All right. So, uh, very briefly, I just wanted to touch on. Um. I know we at this point you've listened to the review for Dark Phoenix. Um. The movie that we should have talked about this week was Secret Life of Pets Two. Uh, slop. Uh, slop
2: Two. T slop. T slop. T furious, as mm-hmm. I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, MGMT gave us T slamp. You know, time spent mm. looking at my phone. Yeah. This year we get T slop, also T-slop. from MGMT, right? Yeah, this um, movie.
1: Oh yeah, the the whole cast is in here. Kevin Spacey was on that album. Um, no. Oh, oh boy. Um, yeah. So this is the movie that, uh, of course, Patton Oswell took over for. Uh, it was Louie, not K Space. Um, Patton D- o- or Louis was the main voice for Max in the first uh, Secret Life of Pets. Uh, he was even his voice was even in the first trailer for Secret Life of Pets two. I remember wow. seeing the trailer and it was right around the time that the Louis news was coming out and you just see his N-U-C and you see a big voice, Louis C K and it's like, Oh
2: no, yeah. so like, they bring uh, in uh Woke voiceover king, Patton Oswald. Yeah, Patton Oswald Voice one of, of the, Remy One of the best the voices Like, Yeah, he, he a, he's a great voice He's
1: not a very attractive dude Maybe he might just want to make a career in voiceover <laughs> um, Otherwise he's going to get typecast in a thing like um, uh, AP Bio Recently cancelled AP Bio we, we love to just see him pop a, up a, a nerdy
2: little man yeah. He's a good comedian um, though really, Yeah, no, Really good stand up, oh, good yeah. guy That's an, It was a he's good a choice because he's very politically outspoken Not a fan of ck um so uh this movie i saw it uh i don't really have
1: too much to say about it it was a good kids movie like i don't think that it's a great movie it doesn't change the genre of kids movie but it was a cute little movie it has kind of the message of it is interesting that i haven't really seen a kids movie before that i can remember where the main central theme deals with uh parental anxieties uh max uh the this family that you see in the first movie they uh they have a baby and this baby and max become very close together max the dog um and while kind of he feels this he he, i mean dogs can get anxious just like humans can and he has this little like tick and really worried about his human getting injured because he just wants to protect this thing it's all like very much a metaphor for like Postpartum anxiety that people Feel Yeah, post 9-11 um, America Yes uh, which also Perfect Patton Oswalt For the voice because Patton Oswalt Sounds like he's gonna have a nervous breakdown anytime That he speaks just yeah. because of uh, His voice um, So it was really good uh, Harrison Ford Is in here as a voice Doing probably his best work ever I can't think of a more iconic performance mm. Wow Um, Yeah no Um <laughs> Jenny Slate is in there. Jenny Slate, we also great voice. Grand utopia. Um, but there is one major problem in here, and that is that one of the main voices, there are three main arcs that you see here, and one of the main arcs that we follow is Snowball the Rabbit, who is voiced by Kevin Hart. Um How main? Is it it's like main main? Yeah, I mean, there's there's really there's three arcs that happen. He probably gets like I would might be say that he gets the second most lines in the entire movie.
0: Yeah, it's like a third of the movie,
1: probably. Yeah. um, When will Kevin Hart just go away, guys? He's just like he's he's very mass
0: appeal. He's
1: not funny. The thing is that like the kids in my audience weren't even like laughing (laughs) when he was doing his like crazy Kevin Hart spiel. Like I feel like everybody is kind of done with his shit. Mm. Um, I mean, because all of his. His As you could expect, he's cast as a tiny little rabbit with an ego. So he's playing Kevin Hart. He's playing himself. He's playing himself in every movie that he's in. He's like, I'm a little black man, but I can be feisty. Um, and then he screams a lot. That's the whole Kevin Hart shtick. Um, I'm done with it. Tiffany Haddish, unfortunately, gets relegated to just being a sidekick in the Snowball storyline. Tiffany Haddish, you are better than that. You deserve more
0: um didn't she get kind of sidelined in uh, uh lego movie 2 as well
1: yeah yeah she does i uh, well, just kind of take any role like, at this point yeah because she was also in that movie night school last year which uh by all accounts was not very good uh um, well
2: she's a fucking hustler like same with uh paid you have to look at the background of someone and it really explains a lot of the career choices they make sometimes and it's that's also true of kevin hart neither of yeah. them grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth, like they didn't have the connections, they made them. Tiffany Haddish was homeless at one point, living in a car. So she's just fucking soaking it up. She's like, "What? I can get paid a hundred thousand dollars to come in for three days in pajamas and voice over this character that no one even cares about. Like, <laughs> what an absolute gig, you yeah,
1: know?" Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, and I. Respect part of the game. It's more so that Kevin Hart. It's been like five years at this point, and I'm just kind of done with him. Um, There's also uh, Nick Kroll is in this cast, and he is hamming it up as this like Russian, like Eastern European villain who wants to capture a snow leopard and then like put him in its circus. Um, And there's a period of the movie (laughs) uh, where it basically turns into Dumbo 2019, um, except it has it has even more confusing of a message than dumbo 2019 cuz at the end of it all it's i'm going to spoil secret life of pets 2 sorry guys um the snow leopard just like lives in a new york apartment with a crazy cat lady and you're like that's what what i get suspension of disbelief cuz it's a kids movie but what are you trying to say here um yeah so that's that's secret life of pets 2 uh if you have a kid Take him to it. Uh, if you are a stuff. kid. If you are a kid, probably going to hate it. Um, a lot of eight-year-olds listen to the pod
2: unsupervised. Yeah. You know?
0: Hey, kids.
1: Hey, yeah. boys. Um, we're going to radicalize main... him like
2: YouTube. We're going to like get him into weird sex shit. Like, ah, we're going to play with our Barbie dolls today and then like make him fuck.
1: Man, I can't wait for this <laughs> to be the first episode that somebody listens to and they're like, oh, here we go. Um, main thing that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to save most of my thoughts until you guys see it, but... This past week, I binged all of Fleabag. Yeah, you tore through that shit. Okay, well, th- here's the thing about Fleabag. It's two seasons. Both of them are six episodes long, half-hour mm, very, episodes. Very
0: British. Yeah,
1: I watched it all in two days sitting. That's uh, and that's I almost, six hours total. I almost watched all of it straight through just because it is that good. It's um, doable. The first episode, or the first season, I should say, I loved it. Um, I have heard a lot of people... Expressed that they didn't like it. The whole thing is, uh, this is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She writes it. She stars in it. Produces it. She does pretty much everything behind the scenes. This started out as a one-man show that she would do in London, uh, where she plays an unnamed character, um, one woman, one, yeah. <laughs> the women in black. Um, she uh, it started out as a one-woman show that she did in London where she plays an unnamed character. Her character is just fleabag, but nobody actually
2: ever refers to her by yeah, her name. Much like high maintenance. Yeah, exactly. The, guy. Um,
1: the gal. But, uh, she just kind of is, she sucks as a person. Like she just, n- nobody in this show is a good person, but yet you still are just constantly cheering for her. In a way it is kind of like Barry where you're like, this is a bad guy. Granted, She doesn't fucking kill people like Barry, but you know, um, also, the goddess, Olivia Coleman is in here as the godmother. Yes. Wow. And she is just incredible. Like, sh- you hate her so much- And just yet you want every scene you want her in it because she is so good. Um, There's a bunch of other British actors that are in here. Uh, Oh, Brett Gelman is in here. That's a very American actor. Not (laughs) that
2: I just I didn't had to mention Brett Gelman. He Um, man, he because he has a weird career because it did like it never happened for him. But it also kind of did because what would you expect for like a weird looking bald strange man? You know, like he's he's done the most with what he had going for him, you know? I'm proud of Brett anyway, yeah,
1: um he uh so also though, I have to talk about because season one really deals with uh without kind of getting into any spoilers uh Phoebe Waller Bridge's character Fleabag owns this cafe that she originally ran with one of her friends, um and this friend died, she accidentally killed herself um trying to make a point to her ex-boyfriend and, like, walk into the bike lane and get injured by a bike so that he'd come to the hospital and oh then her boyfriend would have to come and save her. And uh she... A bike flipped her into an oncoming car and she died. Um, okay. Dark So shit. that's kind of the main story of... It's kind of this reoccurring theme that's happening in the first season um, along with Fleabag kind of just learning how to grow up. Um... It's the way that this show starts. Oh, I should mention another crucial thing about the show that turns a lot of people off at first is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She constantly breaks the fourth wall, especially in the first season. She's always describing to the audience itself, like what's happening, what her motivations are. However, in season two, it takes a twist um, with another character that comes along and Andrew Scott plays this guy. Uh, he was in the British Sherlock series. I've never really seen him anything. I think he was in 007 Spectre. Um, for any Spectre guys
2: that are out there. Uh, Victor Luck? Frankenstein. You listening, Luck? Luck yeah. Turgeon? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> like I said, kids are a big demographic for us. You know? Yeah. Um
1: sure yeah i've Uh, I've seen this guy he like pops up and stuff but he plays this priest that comes along in season two and he is priest so good a lot of hot a lot of
2: hot priest memes on twitter Mm -hmm. yes
1: um guys i'm i might have a take i don't want to overhype you guys for this i
2: think that this is the best show of the year
0: whoa i think
1: yeah he he already dropped this
2: on me and i i really grilled him on it and he's he stuck with it chernobyl though I he stuck with it over that, over Barry. Damn. I guys, this is must watch
1: TV. In a way, like this feels so much of the show feels like the perfect version of TV because it's a three hour movie that you're watching. But it's just split up in incremental parts so it's you can just stop it. After like three episodes and then come back. Or you can try and spread it out as long as you can. I was so invested in this show that I just had to keep going through it. Because the thing is that it gets better and better. Just in the last episode alone, I laughed out loud, like covering my mouth. I like stood up. I was watching this on my couch. I stood up and applauded. (laughs) And I was left sobbing. I swear to God, like all three of these things happened in 27 minutes. Like I... (laughs) This show made me feel some kinds of amazing things. Wow. And he clapped on his couch. I did. I stood up and I, I applauded. I was like, yes, I pumped my fist wow. and everything.
2: And Gaia was like. Nobody was home. I'm, okay, good. <laughs> Thank she God. was like, I'm trying to fucking sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was at 4.30 in the morning. Um,
1: yeah, no, I, I love this show. If you have any reservations about checking the show out, I highly recommend you do it. Um, I would even say The first two episodes Of the series Are probably the weakest They're still good episodes cause I mean There's still some gems That are in there It's but often the case though It know? is It's one of those things Where it's much like Barry It's a show That is marketed As a comedy But it is more Dramatically affecting Than any drama That's on television
2: Mm-hmm Lead I, I mean, people are nutty yeah. about it. I can't. It's not like you're going against the grain. People love this shit. Like, it must so be good. good.
1: And one thing that I love about this show, I hate it, and I love it. There's no plans for a season three. This was all about the first season is pretty much uh, what Phoebe Waller Bridge did for her one man show, and then season two is about all right. Well, what if it was this character, but in 2019? What would she be like? Um, and that's why there's not really plans so for another season. So season one
0: had a definitive conclusion of yes. sorts. Yes. And so does season two. And so does season two. Interesting.
1: I like that. Yeah. I Check this show out, guys. I really – I want you guys to watch it because I need to talk about it with people because I have so many thoughts about it. It's a very – it's a thought-provoking show, which you wouldn't really expect even just by watching an episode. But it's something that you'll still – it'll stick in your head – um, I really want to do a double episode where we can just spoil the shit out of Fleabag and Chernobyl. Yeah, so, and you listeners. said uh, Amazon? Yeah, Amazon Prime, all on there. I, I always season forget one, about Amazon.
2: Two.
1: I forgot about Amazon until Homecoming last year, and then that made me start checking it out. Now I gotta check out like Good Omens, I guess. Yeah,
2: I just like or, I, or not. <laughs> hey, I studio. just like resentfully watch Things on Amazon like I feel That's because I know they're all massive corporations But it's like Amazon you have everything else <laughs> can, you, can you just give it a, a fucking rest for a Well Hulu's now owned by Disney So you're gonna yeah, give I, up watching Rami And Netflix is just as big as any of them Another but...
1: thing I will say uh, very briefly I've been watching Rami um, ah. I took you up on your on your Recommendation it's a really good show mm. um, I'm about on episode Seven or eight oh, it so gets better saw, and better
2: You saw the big
0: I
1: saw the big episode um, Wasn't it lovely It is Man yeah
2: Lovely is a it's, word It's so fun um, like, It's such it, a fun It honestly time. is Like it's It's so dark and tragic But so whimsical
1: But also yeah It has the feeling It is a flashback episode So it has this feeling Of being a 12 year old boy yeah. All over again
2: Great show um, Great shit. And it, after that It does get better Correct
1: yeah, yeah It's still It's I mean It gets better and better As the whole show goes on uh, yeah. Plop from The Office Showed up for an episode Yeah that Plop That just turns out That he is has a oh, Middle Eastern kink, yeah, and no. that is very <laughs> unfortunate to he, watch. He played. He's yeah. getting
0: work. He was at Fossey Verdon He's a good actor. He, he was like really a, good in this episode yeah, of Rami. I, I loved just, him. I
1: don't. I will never learn the actor's name. He's forever gonna be plop.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. always plop. Plop. Unfortunate
2: for him, but I hey. think
0: his name is Plopford Plopfenstein
2: Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, well, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I'm trusted still in this environment. You know, <laughs> it means a lot to me. Um, anyway. Speaking of uh, incredible things that I want to deep dive on at a later point, uh, uh, a couple—I guess it was like last uh, week—Gaia, your girlfriend, came over, and me and Allison and her watched a movie called *Fateful Findings*. This is a movie by a man named Neil Breen, who is the—it's safe to call him the American Tommy Wiseau. Um, Is he really American, though? He actually is. He has an American accent. yeah, it, but but what does his birth certificate say? That's a good point. So, Faithful Findings is from uh, 2013. Uh, the the thing with Neil Breen is he has a, like a solid amount of movies, but he has so many similarities with our favorite director Tommy Wiseau. The I he gives him a run for his money. I can't say who's a worse director. I would have to watch the room again. It, it this was. Top two movies Worst movies I've ever seen In my whole life And I could not Have enjoyed it more Like I I was like On the floor Laughing the whole time it Was is it un- better
1: Than Merry Christmas?
2: Yes It's funner to watch wow. the, Like I said The why so similarities Are insane Because Neil Breen Is He produces uh, Writes Directs and stars In all of his movies They are all Self funded of course Because no one Would ever give him Money to make a movie uh, His money is made A little mysteriously uh, mm. It says he was In real estate but I I simply cannot picture him uh, like participating in society on any level. Like you know what I mean? He looks rough. <laughs> to to picture if you watch the movie and and you know that every choice came down to him, you you're like that guy did not make millions of dollars doing anything legal. Yeah, like, this no, man this guy is, is not
1: very uncomfortable. He makes me uncomfortable just looking at. His he's skills. very
2: ugly and just like why? So all of his movies, I'm assuming this one at least is about how everyone wants to fuck him and he is uh he has to deal with tragedy but also everybody does want to fuck so
1: him. also the poster for this is a 2013 movie and it looks like it looks like anamorphs yeah it's like i was gonna say it looks like anamorphs mixed with like uh like Straight to DVD Christian film from
2: 2002.
0: Yeah. It kind of looks like the movie that Nathan Fielder made in the s- yeah, souvenir yeah, shop.
2: It's it's built as a paranormal thriller where a computer hacker exposes worldwide yeah. secrets. A okay, Johnny Depp
0: impersonator. I,
2: if I go too deep into this, I'm going to start like howling again, <laughs> laughing. Like I, we need to go deep on this because this was the funniest movie I've seen maybe in my life. Like I was, it's like if Tommy Wiseau tried to make a David Lynch movie but also like a master but also uh like a computer hacking movie but all the hacking is just him you know typing on a computer nothing's even on the screen it's off um every choice in this is plays like a joke everything that happens in the movie is is a joke like it's absolutely fucking insane that's why i want to deep dive because i want to really get into the psychology of these men that do these things like how could you operate as a human how are you high functioning yet have Such a low level of self-awareness to know that you have to stop doing it. It's somebody who
1: wants to make a movie but has never watched a movie before.
2: And also they have the money to just
0: shoulder their way into (laughs) any elbow their way into any situation where they're just like, Well, I have the money, so why not put two cameras pointed at the same thing?
2: I felt so bad for all the actresses involved in this, even though they're all horrendously bad, but you couldn't make the movie good. It is so unbelievable i can't i don't want to get too far into it i can't recommend it enough i'm gonna make you guys watch it if i win the summer movie wager uh i'm gonna watch i just want to watch this i'm gonna watch this guy's other movies it is this was a good week for the parabola theory uh because this was a zero and i enjoyed it just as much as the the 10 that i watched this week that i'm gonna to get to anyway well i want to talk about it later on uh but before before we get to the 10 let's talk about uh you know a solid six and a half seven that me and hunter did see this week which is rocket man in theaters yeah we saw rocket man um, Hunter, well, that you, was you last touched,
0: week. You touched on it last week.
2: Yeah, I saw it this week. You saw it last week. Um, I'm I, w- I would have to think back, but I'm, I'm sure that my viewpoint is pretty consistent with what you said. Uh, I thought it was respectable, uh, very corny, but not embarrassingly so. Uh, it's better than Bow Rap, but it's worse than movies that I enjoy more. It's better than Bo Rap in like pretty much every single way, but that bar is so low yeah. that that
1: doesn't even mean anything.
2: Yeah, it, it has flashes of brilliant creativity, and then it also has a, a good amount of really stale stuff involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll start with Positive, though. The the Direction by Dexter Fletcher, who is the man who came in to save uh, Bohemian Rhapsody when Brian Singer was kicked off set. Uh, So I would assume that anything good in Bow Rap was also this guy. Uh, He did a great job. It's really well-directed. The color palette is so vibrant. Oh, Um, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's a really gorgeous movie. Uh, And then also... I would say the smartest move in the whole movie is to go fantastical with it. Yep. It's not just, it's like with bow rap. I I believe that all of the, even the sing- scenes where they're doing music, it's either just a montage where things are happening or it's them literally playing the music on stage or in a recording booth or whatever. Uh, the songs in this are, you know, the characters break out into song and dance in this movie. Like they, it's full on musical numbers. The scenery will change. Like everything changes in these little sequences and that that is a big elevator, yeah, it's like very, I wish Bohemian Rhapsody had done that. It's
1: very much embracing the theatrical musical side, like I said, la la land, I think that you mentioned across the universe, which yeah. is i I feel like that's an even better comparison because. At any moment, it can just bake break off into something just completely otherworldly it's not as good of a movie as
2: no definitely not but but you're right it just it it exits earth and that makes all the corny things play a little nicer because we're living you know th- when we're watching the movie we're in this like this environment of silliness you know it's not taking itself seriously um that said though the drama does play pretty well too sometimes um not always look yeah, yeah not <laughs> um but yeah the the musical sequences similar to bo rap are probably the best part of the movie. Um, what do you think especially of with this one? uh Taryn Edgerton kills it. He absolutely slays. I was a little skeptical going in um because i I am a proponent for casting someone who doesn't look exactly like the person because I think that the quality of acting matters more than what they look like uh however there are a few moments in this where it's a little jarring because you can try to hide Terran in a balding wig but he's a really attractive <laughs> Terran's a hot dude and they only one major struggle that elton did have to deal with is being unmarketable or perceived as unattractive uh and they really have to gloss over that because they know that they have Terran and that just wouldn't play well there's only yeah. one line where they're like it because he has his uh, a songwriting partner who's played by like a decently attractive guy and this record executive is like, well, why don't you have the songwriter do the songs? He's way more attractive. And it cuts between them. And it's like, bro, what? <laughs> like, th- that's Taron Edgerton. Like, it's not even. Anyway, though, that beyond that, he's a very good actor. And this was a really, really, really good performance. Like he absolute... Oscar worthy, perhaps. I mean, if fucking Rami got it, then he might as well. <laughs> I think that I mean, I really do think that it is.
1: I mean, great. We are still very early in the year, but I think that it might be the best male performance that I have seen in a movie this year.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, one thing that I w- is not his fault, um, I and I, I don't know the ultimate answer to this, but. Uh it was really it's talked about a lot and he's getting a lot of praise for singing like he does all his own singing in this movie and that is very impressive. Um he's a good singer but he he does not sound like Elton John and personally that got to me a little bit. Um primarily because when when he was singing and it was during a take and you could tell that it was actually when they were shooting that take it sounded more raw and better in my opinion like that was when he sounded good whenever they cut to the recorded versions of these songs like when everyone's breaking out in the song and dancing they're definitely not actually recording that audio they would pitch correct the shit out of his voice that really bothered yeah me. well also
1: to that point one thing where i feel like it is kind of hurting people actually like The people who love Bohemian Rhapsody Wanted to go and just listen To Queen songs really loud And sing them And they make some really interesting choices With some of the arrangements that are in these songs That are in this movie Um, Like for example, Rocket Man. I think it's really cool how they used it, mm. but you can't really sing along to their version <laughs> of Rocket Man. There's a lot of yeah. changes in tempo and everything else that are happening. Really, there will be these moments in some of the songs where all of the instruments are completely stripped out and it's just his voice ringing through. And granted, I think Taryn has a really good voice. Um, it doesn't really bother me as he doesn't sound exactly like... Um, jo- like... Um, Elton John Mm -hmm. um I almost said Johnny Depp I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about Johnny (laughs) Johnny Depp Depp would have been better casting of Elton John Mm. than Mm Taron Edgerton nope nope (laughs) (laughs) um no I he doesn't really sound exactly like Elton John but I feel like for me that's almost like your whole thing about an actor doesn't have to look a certain way like if it sounds good like yeah you know um whenever i watch across the universe it doesn't sound like the beatles are singing these songs but it doesn't really matter if it's good then i can forgive it
2: yeah it did it only it bothered me because if he's you know if he's delivering lines or you know the way he looks i didn't haven't seen elton john live his life so that couldn't bother me that he looks different um but i know these songs very well and like I said, if it was him doing a little bit more of a raw performance, I was totally fine with it. But when they start pitch correcting in post-production, it sounds like it could have been anybody singing it. They did not trust Taron at all in the mixing booth. That's what I'm saying. Like, they, every single note is pitch corrected to utter perfection, which is not what Elton John has ever sounded like. The, the rock music and, like, live music and popular music is like what makes it good is that there are these like little micro imperfections that make it sound like a human being is singing it as opposed to a robot. So it it really bothered me when it sounded like it could have been just literally any person singing it, and too, not Terrence. Too squeaky clean. Yeah, it was just so perfect. There was no like ramping up to a high note or anything. It was just he was already like right there, and that's not what Elton John yeah. sounds like. So I I almost wish there was some sort of middle ground between Bohemian Rhapsody and this, where like because Bohemian Rhapsody did some like sound mixing magic of like mixing uh people doing impressions of Freddie and actual old audio of Freddie. Yeah, and- none of it was Rami though. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> but I wish that they could have done something like that with like a little bit of Taron, a little bit of Elton, a little bit of someone who sounds more like Elton than Taron, and combine it all to make uh, a better product. Because, uh, you know, you can't change your voice that much. Yeah. So, that's all. Do you have a uh, Do you have any favorite songs? <sighs> well, I I really enjoy the Crocodile Rock scene. And that's also one of my favorites by See,
1: him. I, See, I love the scene, but that's one of my least favorite Elton John songs. Oh. It's just, it's it's a little bit too corny Elton for
2: me. I mean, he's like, he's a really corny guy. Yeah, oh, I mean, he is. <laughs> I mean,
1: especially like the whole thing with the lyricist. And I did love that that was a main, the main love story was between him and his lyricist. Yeah, I did. Um, wa- I wanted more of the lyricist, yeah, actually. Yeah, same. I, they could have scratched some more of Richard Madden's character. Yeah, so um, Richard
2: Madden, uh, a.k.a. Scottish Daddy, is playing this... Uh, you know, manager of Elden and also lover character. And he is really blatantly just like an evil guy, which is, you know, like I said, this movie doesn't escape every trope of these types of movies. There are a lot of them baked into it. Um, and one thing the movie did great is it doesn't shy away from gay love scenes like Bohemian Rhapsody does. Like, there's this has a gay sex scene in it, and the, my, a lot of old people were in my audience, and guess what? Nobody left, so... There was a couple, know, Bohemian... actually. There's, a, there's, like, a gay orgy scene at one mm-hmm. point that's, like, just
1: fucking dudes everywhere on this floor. <laughs> and I was like, all was right, a, man, they're going a for it. Was musical number? Uh, yeah, it was. I can't remember which song was in that, but um, my two favorite uh, songs... Moments from it Were definitely Honky Cat That's Mm -hmm. the whole scene That he has with Richard Madden Which Richard Madden sings And he's got a Pretty good voice too Mm -hmm. British dudes can all sing Um It was really over the top, and then also, it's my favorite Elton John song, but uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Mm -hmm. and at the moment in which that plays is when he's like finally trying to actually go get help for this problem that he has. Yeah. I really like that, and I thought that Taryn's voice, because that's a little bit more raw. Honky Cat is kind of overproduced. I get what you're saying from there, but- I was more swept away in the actual visualization yeah. of it all, but I did love his performance of Good he, that Red.
0: That aspect does sound very across the universe, like turning the songs into a story.
2: Yeah. Like yeah, using oh, yeah. the song. Yeah, as, not, like, as goes, a narrative. It's, it's not even close to chronological. No, 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 not yeah. at all.
1: But it's the fantastical element lets you believe more. Of yeah, that. like, like you I mean,
2: I mean, the know. song order. Like yeah. he's he's coming up with songs that he didn't come up with first, but be, because it's yeah, a song that in goes the in the, movie, the beginning. Yeah. in
0: the movie, what is what they're expressing in the
2: lyrics of the yeah.
0: song are like. Postmarks of yeah, this story being told. Yeah, like it's, being it's
2: really, by definition, like it's a jukebox musical. Like yeah. it's, it's, and it's very fun. Like this was a really fun movie. Yeah, but,
0: but I mean, you could also say that, um, what's it called? Bo, Bo Rap. Rap was also a jukebox musical, but that one they what's there's nothing about the songs that related all to the story being yeah and
2: and like well just in a million different ways bow rep is a lot less creatively done like this was a creatively done movie it has a lot of really corny shit uh like you said there's that john lennon scene where he looks at a wall and there's a picture of john lennon he's trying to come up with a name he's like uh my name's elton uh and there's like a spotlight on john (laughs) lennon solo and I thought that, honestly, watching it, I think they were going for a laugh there. I don't think it worked. I because... didn't work.
1: Yeah, but I could see. I, could see. I think you, that actually in that scene is now thinking about it. My favorite point in the entire movie um, is whenever he's in this office trying to like do something... And um, the one of the song producers, the person working with the label just like reaches through like just a bunch of different like lyricist things and hands him the folder and time stops. Mm. And it's like, it is so over the top and fantastic, but like I kind of loved it that it, they really are showing like they're like, this is magic being made right now that he happened to get matched up with this person. Because mm-hmm. if he would have got matched up with anybody else, he might not be Elton John.
2: Yeah, Um. So I really I didn't dislike the movie. Um I I'm not going to recommend it. It's not really my type of thing if I'm being totally honest, just this type of movie. Uh but it it kept my attention. It was not embarrassing for anyone involved, which is where the bar is as we established. Um there were some good performances. Uh I wish that I wish that some of the tertiary characters had a little bit better material. Bryce Dallas Howard plays his mom and she really shines in a couple moments and then also really doesn't in some other moments. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of an unsteady performance, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a fun, like, a lot of it is fun, and then there's some other just very forgettable parts. It's, overall, it's not a great movie. I
2: think it's a solid movie. I'd recommend it if you like Elton John or if you like musicals. Exactly. It's what I was expecting from Bohemian Rhapsody. Just, like, a a pretty cheesy but fun movie. Like, it's not, I'm not gonna call it great. Uh, I would, I would tentatively call it good, but... It's fine. It's it's enjoyable. Rocket Man. Yeah, Uh, but now let's talk about uh, a movie that we actually have all seen up to this point. I saw it last night on Criterion. Oh
1: wait, wait. Now it's time.
2: Being there is a 1979 uh, Peter Sellers movie.
0: Hal Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby. Hal
2: Ashby, based on a novel of the same name. Yeah, it's based on a novel by another guy uh and this movie is i would say in a lot of ways just a perfect marriage of all the talent involved in it the screenplay is like one <laughs> of the perfect. greatest screen one of the best written things i've ever seen i mean it is based on a book uh and i would have to it's read, written uh, well it's based on a book by the same guy yeah oh yeah okay. he wrote jersey kaczynski. he adapted his own yes, novel. jersey
0: kaczynski that's super interesting i love when that happens he that can it. that can you know work Sometimes against the film, depending on like, yeah, what the thinking is behind it. Oh, but, yeah, but, he, but uh, he killed it. Like, something like uh, Gone Girl, Jillian mm. Flynn, she adapted her own novel for Fincher, and that went really well. Yeah. And in this movie, it, it does have this,
2: like, almost like a fable yes, feel to it. So, this movie, uh, surface level, is about an idiot who's played by peter sellers who he's worked at this for this rich man in his garden his whole life he knows nothing of the outside world except for television and then he basically stumbles into the outside world and then through circumstance and just the way he's acting he stumbles into like the high class world of politics yeah
0: it's it's a movie about uh, a man who rises the ranks of power but it's not a movie about ambition no or success no it's kind of it's or
1: the even, opposite of that
2: or even rags to riches so it's like and it is so this movie is by and large a, a comedy movie it's, an, it's so funny like oh, I was yeah. dying laughing so much the The most interesting thing one of the most interesting things about the script and the reason I think it's aged so well is because there are almost no written jokes in the script even a movie like from That's back a then point. a movie like Animal House has an age grade if you watch it now because the jokes themselves are very stale. But this movie doesn't have jokes, this is a situational comedy movie. All of and the some of the situations are like so
0: unique, yeah, and absurd, even for a movie of that. I, I mean, I guess I should say, especially for a movie of that era because I just keep thinking about the. I, I don't know how, uh, how spoiler we should get, but there is a, uh, a masturbation scene <laughs> yes. that I was just like this movie is nuts. It no, is. Well, I I haven't seen anything like this. So before. this movie came out
1: forty years ago, and it feels so fresh. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Like how whimsical this is. Anything like, I mean, I just talked about Akira Kurosawa a couple weeks ago, and like. As I love those movies, but even then some of those older movies, they all kind of just are a bit slower yeah, than what you used to now, like it was, like it was just a different time. I can appreciate it, but like this movie doesn't drag at all. There's nothing slow about this movie. well it, it is
2: well the what's slow is the pacing of the scenes themselves, but the scenes move quickly, you right. know what I mean like the conversations happen in real time like in very seventies fashion like there are a long, a lot of long pauses that play into the awkwardness and the absurdity of what's happening. But you're right; it, it's almost like the humor was ahead of its yeah, time. Yeah, but the way. movie itself, though, breezes
0: by. And like there's something in every scene to catch your eye, to to grab your attention in in, in an interesting way. Like a scene as simple as. Um, uh, our, our main character, Chansey, and the, the old man, um, uh, Ben, mm. uh, just walking down the hall of their house. But there's two— Melvin ser-
1: Douglas, who uh, actually won an Oscar for yeah, this performance. Here. Yeah, and Peters, it.
0: Peter Sells was nominated. Mm. Uh, he didn't win, though. But just them walking down the hall of this beautiful house, and there's two servants following them with wheelchairs. Like, just that image alone of a perfectly capable man— Walking with like this old dying man, but they're both being attended to with wheelchairs. That's just that's hilarious. Well, and
1: so another thing about this movie that's incredible is that it's a satire, and usually satires do not age well at all. Like just because the pu- the actual subject matter itself changes so much, but this almost this movie feels more timely than ever before because it shows yeah. off the stupidity that happens in the upper class. It's all about how you carry yourself more so than it is how you actually are and kind of fake it till you make it is yeah. like the whole message of this movie. Even if like chance isn't even faking it, he's just being his own genuine self and yeah. just kind of idiotically stumbles his way up, like just moment yeah. after moment. And, and it's incredible. Like, and just and his I performance. think the,
2: the biggest, biggest uh, thing that this movie hinges on is this movie does not work if anyone is giving in like a so-so performance obviously peter sellers has to absolutely nail it he has to have this like he is phenomenal he's serene he's calm he has this like bizarre confidence the confidence of a very ignorant man who has no idea what's going on around <laughs> him basically <laughs> Uh, and it just has to work because a lot of comedic actors would overdo it and they would act too stupid, and that that unravels the entire movie. This isn't a movie that is like dead on with reality, but the suspension of disbelief revolves so much around Sellers' performance. But also, everyone in his orbit in the movie has to be playing it dramatically. They with so much emotion, yeah, like
0: Shirley MacLaine she has, has, like this real uh
2: there's the passion to her
0: character yeah. where she you can tell she's really feeling things yeah and again Chancy. this
2: is another pitfall that a lot of dramatic actors fall into when they're trying to do comedy they think that to do comedy you have to be over the top but think about someone like steve carell the comedy with, within the character of michael scott is that that guy uh doesn't know that he's so stupid he has no clue he is dead serious in being himself um, he never steps outside of that he's fully committed and that's what everyone in this movie is they are so fully committed to dramatically playing through these scenes even though it's in an absurd comedy that every every laugh is amplified by two because of how dead serious all these characters are playing it like I was in awe at the quality of acting that every single character has in this and movie there's
0: I... there's plenty of like cringe moments too like so much uncomfortable. Awkward interactions throughout here, just because you're like caught off guard to people being so susceptible to Chancy's little idioms that he says.
1: Yeah, and no, I mean, and there's really only one person in this entire movie that the actually doctor. knows who Chance is. But there's no villain in this movie. I think that's one of the reasons why it's also so unique and why it's held up so well is because. There's no bad guy. Like, that's why this movie just has so much whimsy to it, is because you're just, like, along for the ride. Yeah. And there is so much cringe humor and stuff like that, but that's. Almost something that's gotten bigger and bigger in yeah. our time period. Like, this was so far ahead of its time with the style of humor it was going for. I wanted to say that uh, Pierce Sellers got robbed, but I just looked up the Academy Awards for this year, and 1979 is like one of the best movie years that I've ever seen. Kramer versus Kramer.
2: All that jazz, was 79. Up, all that
1: jazz, mm-hmm. The China Syndrome, Norma Ray. Uh, Manhattan is this year. Like there's was being there Apocalypse nom- Now. Was being
0: there nominated no, for Best Picture? No Being There wasn't
1: nominated for Best Picture, which I mean the nominees for Best Picture that year were Kramer versus Kramer, all that jazz, Apocalypse Now, Breaking Away, and Norma Ray. And Kramer vs Kramer won. Yeah, Kramer versus Kramer, yeah. Kramer won. But still, I mean that like this yep, the so year itself was Rose Scheider but and
0: uh peter sellers were both nominated yeah holy shit that's i mean this was an amazing it's year, fucking but wild. and then this, hoffman gets it
1: like god this movie it's still i know those are great movies but like being there is truly. i think this is a perfect movie like this really is a 10 out of 10 like just everything about this movie is so unique and this is one of those movies like you can never remake being there if you try, if somebody tried to remake Being There Now, it would the satire would be too on its sleeve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: there, yes, that's, no, that's, that is the greatest point because the reason why this movie works so well is because it's not being blatant about its social commentary. Yeah, it's, it's all it's understood. So subdued, subdued farce. It's it's incredible. I mean, there are moments where it has to peek its head a little bit just so we kind of understand that the movie's not you know intellectually bankrupt or anything like that like the moment with the uh the maid in her home commenting on the yeah, whole yeah, thing how and it's and a white like, man's world fucking white man yeah. this guy's a <laughs> fucking idiot <Just> getting away <laughs> See, with this. it just
1: plays for laughs like it doesn't try and play to like make this whole message of hal ashby like wagging
0: his finger but at we you. need that scene because that scene lets it- us know that like uh, there is a certain Absurdity that that nobody is seeing. That only like the people that understand how privilege works, how pr- how privilege doesn't work in their favor, see privilege working for this man's favor in a way that it shouldn't. Yeah, you know, because he, if 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 Chancy were walking around wearing horrible clothing, he would not get treated the same way. He gets treated that way because he's wearing these fancy, custom-made, tailored suits. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest reasons why he gets pinned by that car and immediately he's uh, uh, taken in and taken care for because he looks like this upper class
2: gentleman. Yeah. And just because he doesn't uh, he plays his cards close to the vest, not even really on purpose. He just is that way. He doesn't speak much. Uh, and he is truly a calm person because his whole life has just been spent in a garden. Uh, this movie is Genius. Uh, I I mentioned all this in my. I wrote a letterbox review for it today, and I think that because the movie was already brilliant, but I think what makes it really ingenious is when you think about the discourse that surrounds the movie once you watch it, because. There are a ton of really deep takeaways to take from this movie about class, about that's, race.
0: That final shot, too. I, we'll have to get into well, that's, that. We'll, we'll
2: get into that. But you you can take away so many profound things about this. and You can talk about them. How it's about the power of brevity or confidence or, or your social status. Um, but if you start to talk about all that stuff, you sound like what, how everyone in the movie sounds when they talk about chance
0: yeah that's right. an amazing you're right. point
2: so it's like he we're, he's
0: almost we're putting we're putting all of this we're projecting all of this meaning
2: into the yeah movie. and we just laughed at all these people for doing the exact same thing yeah. um and it's so brilliant because i genuinely think it is uh jersey kaczynski like kind of laughing at us not in a way of like i'm better than you but just in a way of like you could have just taken the movie at face value if you think that everyone else is so stupid for not taking him at face value. Like, if you just watch this very straightforwardly, it's still a funny movie. Mm-hmm. It would still be very funny.
0: It's very unique. Um, and mm. it's 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 a rare sort of approach to <laughs> exactly. a comedy of... Uh... Of, of errors if it even is that
2: yeah it's it's fun to watch no matter what but it has all this depth to it but then the second you start to discuss it you're like oh fuck i'm just like the goddamn washington mm-hmm. post or just i'm just like the president like i'm just like everyone that there he must interacts be a with. conspiracy with yeah. the cia and i think i think that is what makes this a stroke of genius on on the writer's part to do that to to in- include us in a joke and then also exclude us from the ultimate joke is so Fucking, like, 4D fucking backgammon. Like, I've never... It, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah, I, I, I can't love I it I really enough. love this movie. I just have to say, I missed a couple of 79... I think 79 might be the greatest movie
1: year of all time. <laughs> we also have Alien coming out that oh year. Oh, my God. The Warriors. Monty Python's Life of Brian. The Star Trek movie. Uh, the Muppet movie. Rocky II. Mad Max. Well wow. That year. Um, the, the original Amityville Horror... 1941, I'm I did sorry, want, this is just, I just got lost I, looking down this path. I did want to say about
0: uh, all that jazz, it did win four Oscars, uh, Best Original Song, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Film Editing, mm. and it won the Palme d'Or that year at con well, oh which I mean, is kind a... of better than best picture what did so let let me look at being what did being there the win? only
1: thing that it it was only nominated for two things only and won it, won one
2: of them it won the supporting actor. how did Shirley McClain not get nominated for supporting actors? i know like her slays. Slays. how
1: does the screenplay not get nominated yeah. like the screenplay is it perfect. wasn't even nominated it wasn't even nominated when it's do comedies yeah when do
2: comedies win anything though you know it just doesn't happen. It's just,
1: well, especially back in the 70s, like, this was so yeah. ahead of its time as yeah. far as a comedy with dramatic Yeah. Oh, and I did want to
2: say, um, there are, like, we're not, I don't want a remake of this, but we do have a few movies that are definitely uh, inspired by it. Uh, one of them is Brigsby Bear. Yeah. Um, where he's just grown up watching TV his whole life and never oh. seen the it's outside all of, world. And it's another, it's a movie
1: about failing upwards. Like, yeah. that's kind of something that is. Yeah, this, but Brigsby I Bear has,
2: Brigsby movie. Bear is an extremely different movie, but it definitely has some roots in this. Um, another one is, oh, damn it. Oh, yeah, I just saw this. It's a Bill Murray movie that was completely forgotten by the sands of time. It's from 1997. It's called The Man Who Knew Too Little. No one has ever, ever seen this movie. And it's it's a lot like Game Night, but mixed with being there. Like, Bill Murray plays a guy who thinks he's in the middle of a fun murder mystery thing, and it turns out it's all real. It's re- oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, But it you could definitely see so much inspiration in this. Uh, one thing that I I saw I, I
0: try to watch a, a couple of the Criterion, uh, um, special features and uh, Peter Sellers like my God he was something else like he's, he's a legend had,
1: I can't believe he died a year after this he movie just, he
0: just had this charisma to him and and there were, there's these clips on the Criterion of him on these uh, on the Today Show and and these talk shows and he he was expressing like his approach to the accent of chancy mm-hmm. and like why because he he on the on the today show or the tonight i think it was the today show he does all these accents from uh england and and uh all these different parts and then he gets into the accent he did for chancy and he was talking about how it needed to be an accent that was based on just watching tv and how mm-hmm. like how specific that needed to be not giving too much of an attitude especially if you think back to like the kind of tv that was common in the 70s mm. it was it was i mean it, it wasn't as clean as it was in the 60s and 50s but it's not as yeah a, as it is now not even close yeah, so talk shows so i i don't know that the voice that he landed on is it is this calm sort of unassuming yeah. Yeah, it's, thing that's just it's not full of any attitude at yeah. all unaffected which leads people to believe that he yeah. is a genius and that yeah and that uh just went back to the the ending credits which is him <laughs> like breaking and
2: you can tell that like oh he yeah was just that's another great thing about the movie the credits, outtake, the credits are a gag which you don't see yeah. nowadays
0: yeah. and he you can just tell that he's just this great presence to have on set like they probably were just cracking up every second making this thing yeah and apparently peter sellers was pissed because he thinks that the fact that they put that outtake at the end cost him his oscar i believe it uh, people, yeah, the Oscars are very BT serious series. people. They're like, "No, no, no. There's no fun. <laughs> but if you had fun, you didn't do a good job." I will say
1: this movie has like probably one of my favorite endings of all time because yeah. this is
0: such an absurd. Should we give world. a little a little spoiler warning? I mean, why no, Beauty we don't I, we don't even have to talk well, about it. Well, the thing that. is that this yeah.
1: it doesn't even like matter really about spoilers. It's all about the tone that this Well, movie yeah, strikes. but I wouldn't that, that, I would
0: that last shot. It like is, it's unbelievable.
2: I I if we're going to spoil, we should just say no cuz I still would not want to know that before watching it.
0: No, it's it, it, I won't mean, even say You know it. what I mean?
1: Now, I'll, I'll wait until afterwards, but <laughs> there is a spoiler. It's um, very out in the open for this movie. It's just,
2: it's amazing. It's an unbelievable shot, and it's right when the joke, you think, like, are they going to end it on the same joke of the whole movie, and then they flip it so far. Well, right before that
0: is another kind of, uh, um, what's the word, just kind of telegraphed theme bit where we see the men carrying the the sarcophagus-looking coffin into the pyramid. And they're literally scheming about who's going to replace the president. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, well, it's got to be Chancey Gardner because he's our only hope <laughs> now. And you're just like, what? Wh- how did we get here? Yes. <laughs>
1: It's amazing, and <laughs> it's, like, an hour and a half long. Like, this is a short movie. To, or I guess it's it's two hours and ten minutes, but it feels like an and hour that's, and a half. And yeah. But
0: that's also part of the farce, yeah. right? That we have this president who is, like, not... He, he can't even get it up. His <laughs> wife is, like, trying to fuck him, and he I mean, can't. it's
1: too bad that that's not, like, having a joke as a president isn't as relevant today. Yeah. No, we yeah. we have our pop-up. It's too we're bad good. that we're past Yes.
0: And they these men, they're just, like... They everyone is just a pawn to them, and we don't even know who they are, we just know that they're like bureaucrat. Do we know who they're supposed to be? They're just like powerful people who are just like, Oh, yes, the next president, who shall it be? We shall choose him. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the it's just illusion like, of democracy, yeah, politicians, billionaires. Uh, yeah, and then the very, very ending. It adds the again depending on how you look at the movie. It adds layers of depth or just layers of silliness to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like and it, I I can't love it. Enough. And it
0: and it's it all comes down to like what the movie chooses to show us, because. We don't see exactly how that moment is possible. It could be possible in a couple of different ways that are perfectly well, plausible.
1: Well, I did want to, if you guys are going to talk about it, I just wanted to briefly say before we do a spoiler bumper about how tragic it is that Peter Seller died after this. I mean, he really was... Like it seems like you could almost see the outline of the next phase of his career here. Like, I mean, other than this, he was in the original Pink Panther movies. He was in a couple Kubrick movies. Uh, he's in Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. He's the man. president. Yeah, he's in uh, Lolita, role. which he, I had never seen.
2: He has three roles yeah. in Doctor Strange Love. He is incredible. He's, in that he's such a good was actor. He in Lolita? Um, yeah, he's in Lolita. But yeah, let's let's go ahead and just spoil that very ending. Um, yeah so if, if you haven't
0: seen it see uh, this movie
1: get the criterion for it warned. because it is it, like Drew
0: looks gorgeous you're gonna get a crate aren't you this
1: is gonna be my first crate see look at this Legit. Drew is the person who only watches DVDs because he doesn't know the difference <laughs> he can't visually see the, about the he difference. has like Neanderthal eyes and apparently Neanderthal ears because you know Blu-rays are also better mixed than the, DVDs the um, shot
0: of him walking in that median and you just see the
2: capital in oh, the background and it just slowly pans up well again, Again, that's another oh, thing that lays into the comedy of the movie is that it's directed like a prestige yeah. cinema movie. Yeah. Like, it's directed well, beautifully.
1: Hal Ashby, I mean, he made Harold and Maude. Like, he's yeah. no stranger yeah, to critically he, acclaimed
2: films. Yeah, he, he, he was on a run too. And he fell off in the 80s, but this is an incredible movie. Anyway, so let's just spoil the really end beep right now. So he... Uh, is uh, Jesus? Walking. He's Jesus. He's <laughs> on Jesus water. Christ. So uh, about this already being spoiled,
1: it that's literally the cover of the Criterion is him walking on the lake, like
0: the, the Criterion shot. Yeah, but shot it, it, is, didn't, it didn't register. It has with no me. context. Uh, once I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, shit. Yeah, you're not. You're not thinking, <laughs> you <"All> <laughs> look <laughs> at it and you're like, right, oh that, damn, he's God. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, um,
1: that just as soon as because I already loved this movie so much, I thought it was perfect. But as soon as I saw that for the first time. I like the first time I watched this movie, I was really fucked up on painkillers because I had like just gotten my wisdom teeth taken out. I'm just sitting there watching this and I'm like, all right, I should go lay down now. Like, I don't know what I just saw. And then I was like, oh no, this is really how it happened. This is perfect. Yeah, this is, this is, legit. is amazing. It goes, this is the 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 goes from servant
0: to kind of like, Public liaison, yeah. Public image, yeah. Liaison to, yeah. Public figure to then like, huh? Should be, should he be the to next the president? president? Yeah. And then no, actually, he's just a god. He is god. <laughs> um, all within the course
2: of like a couple days. Yeah. And I, I love this because it is also just extremely funny. Like, I, my mouth was open. I was like, this. is I love how they genuinely went for an ending like this. But also, it it has layers where you can try to dissect it because it did make me think about, uh, how people treat thing like what if what if a supernatural being came that what if jesus came back but he was like he, you know, he obviously would have no knowledge of anything. Mm-hmm. So what if he was like a uh, chance here? Yeah. Like, wh- and Jesus would talk about like gardening. Yeah. And, and, and um, yeah, life. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, life and, and it roots well, and, it and just, your crops.
2: And the way that he's treated throughout the movie also kind of reminds me of how people treat religion in general and the supernatural. Like they just kind of pump their own meaning on yeah. top of it. Like they, people do not take it word for word because there's no such thing as word for word. Everything has multiple meanings to it. Um, And that's my favorite ultimate message of the movie, of all the the deeper shit. Um, Malcolm Gladwell has written about this a good amount. There is a gulf of understanding between any two people at any given time. Like, any one word in any of these sentences, you may interpret completely differently than how I mean to say it, and that's just the way that human beings are. Mm -hmm. Like, we just misunderstand each other so fucking much, and and we never talk about it. And in the script itself, I love how... We, the audience, were not filled in
0: on anything beyond Chansey's understanding. I mean, obviously there are scenes to kind of fill that in where we see the newspaper and some of the president stuff and some of the uh, – some of these like tertiary things. But th- it, there's not like that much detail in there. For example, the moment where uh, Chauncey meets the president and they're talking about the speech and some of like the economic prospects of the country and everything – we have no idea like what the version of America is dealing with I mean we see at the beginning some of uh, the, the streets yeah, it's and, kind like,
2: of a shithole and how things like are looking rough things aren't great the, the economy is down but sometimes you know there has to be winter for there to be <laughs> spring as we learned in the movie yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying, yeah,
2: <laughs> is if the roots of America are strong, <laughs> it's incredible. And there's also the statement, like when he goes on TV about how stupid public discourse about politics is, yeah. how dumbed down it has. Like the reporters even commentate on it. They're like, and in 1979,
0: 19- yeah, was- having a a little theme about the death of. of- traditional journalism yeah yeah it's it's brilliant i don't
2: read the paper he he literally can't read i watch tv (laughs) a a president who only watches tv
1: (laughs) like that's what i mean about this movie about how like how did this movie know so much like how did they get this so right i want to read the book the only way to make this better if it just like ended and it was like 2019 and you just feel like i knew it okay you time traveled this all makes sense now
2: but yeah this this movie is so much and yet at, at its core the reason this is one of my favorite movies i've ever seen is because it's also a broad comedy mm. it is so deep and it has so many different things happening and so many messages you can draw god the but masturbation also,
1: scene is one of the funniest yeah scenes it's I've also ever a seen. movie yeah, that was, a dumb like, shit could
2: watch and love and i could watch it drunk or high and not be thinking about any of these deeper themes and i would still love watching it because it's so funny that, like that is such an accomplishment i've I would wager to say I've never seen it pulled off this well in a comedy before. It's so ever. rare, ever. Yeah.
0: It never happens. That that masturbation scene is so funny because right before that, when they're making out, and he sees on the TV the couple making out, and the camera is spinning
2: around them, so he thinks that he just has to spin around uh, in circles. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then she's just she's like fingering herself on the ground, and he's doing a somersault on the bed. <laughs> It's, like... it's like, slapstick, but it also makes <laughs> a lot of sense in terms of the story. Like, this is an unbelievable movie. I would put – I might – you could talk me into putting this in my top five movies of all time. I like, think that, I yeah. loved it. I'm so glad that you guys finally saw this
1: because I just remember whenever I saw this movie, I was like, "You guys have to see." This. I've like, had, this the, is, cri- had for the criteria. You've had the criteria. I was like, "You have to watch this. Yeah. Like, this is a perfect yeah. film."
2: Anyway, I'm I'm so glad we talked about Dark Phoenix in our longer episode. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, but
2: uh, yeah. Any more thoughts on it? No. Uh, watch being there. Watch I, all that jazz. Yeah, I gave it a ten, a genuine
0: ten. I same. I want to I want to see it again. I maybe it'll be one of those movies that I like I revisit like once a year or something like that. See if cuz I'm sure there's more and more
2: you can get out of it. More to appreciate and yeah. just, just let it soak. One of the one of the biggest things I took away is I wish I know that we live in a different age now and things are way faster paced, but I wish that more movies would take their time within their scenes. Not not with the pacing of the movie, with mm-hmm. the pacing of how dialogue goes. Mm-hmm. Because a movie like it still happens, like eighth grade, those scenes play out in real time. There is no yada yada. There is no speed talking. Like, it and, just,
0: it, it's real. And what you were saying about the performances. There's nobody in here that is dropping the ball, but it, nobody's, like, running away with the ball either. It's still all, it's, <laughs> it's still an Peter ensemble. Sellers' yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. And. It, it's crazy. Yeah.
2: Um. And, yeah, and one more thing uh, about it that I loved. Damn it. Am I going to lose it? I think I lost it. All right, just cut this out. Chauncey Gardner. Man. What a guy. No, I I mentioned it in my review. He <laughs> would love
0: podcasts because podcasts are like plants. That's good. You plant the seeds. Is this and what you the at, course General? of 100 episodes. This is this your point. They what sprout I was saying. And they grow. Yeah, I'm running for president and you have to you have to instill um, your soil with great nutrients.
2: And every once in a while, they'll flower. I don't. Fruit. I don't need you to vamp anymore. I thought, about it. <laughs> I thought of it like a whole minute ago. Um I I think it really is important to say that when you have scenes that play out in real time and you really trust your your actors and your directing, that's like scary from the filmmaker's perspective because that means you can't hide bad acting if if these cuts are so long and you can't hide like shitty writing because there's nothing like spectacle-esque to look at. You know what I mean? You have to trust that it's really fucking good to do that. That's why we don't see it so much anymore because most movies aren't really good. Uh, But this movie is. It is being there. And it's like uh, the springtime. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening.
0: We will be back uh, next week with a music catch-up, big music catch-up with our friend Danny.
1: Yeah, finally talking Igor.
0: Yeah, so stick around Um, for that. Uh, hit us up on twitter minute black international is that next week that's next week huh i don't know i might see it we'll see see. it looks okay um yeah we bought a mic twitter gmail instagram facebook hit us up uh any any plugs y'all um hunt mobbly okay well it's been real uh we love you take it easy have an amazing week thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on the bottom right.
2: Bye-bye. Bye.